0: Down and Distance, Down and Distance, Down and Distance, on WGNRadio.com. Too bad you can't get famous just for telling stories on huh? podcasts. It's like radio, but it's not on the radio.
1: It's the future, 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 future. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Down and Distance, DAD Pod on Twitter, sitting alongside my man, Ernie Scatton, Shy Voice Man on Twitter. I'm at Peyton Sun, P-A-Y-T-O-N-S-U-N, and we have a great guest today, a good friend of mine and a co worker of mine as well on CLTV's sports feed. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out Sunday through Thursday at six o'clock alongside my man, Josh Fryman. But my man, Larry Holly, man, our producer of the show and one of the greatest sports minds, Ernie Scatton, that I've ever met in my entire life. If you want to know anything, like you throw something at him. Don't put him on don't don't put him on front street right now. <laughs> but more than likely, if you throw something at him, he's either seen it or he was there or he covered it and he's got a great sports mind. So we wanted to bring him on the Down a Distance podcast. Larry, what's going on, man?
2: Not much, man. Happy anniversary. Two years ago today, sports feed started. That's
1: Are you serious? It's yeah. been two years already? Two years already? ago. Today. Two years it was ago. A Sunday,
2: uh Sunday night. The Blackhawks just beat the Lightning in Game Six of the uh, excuse me Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, Chris Sale pitched in Tampa. I'm trying to remember what else happened that day. The sky yeah, you're the remembering this in off the top
0: of your head. You're not. You don't have this written down. Yeah, somewhere.
2: I'm trying to remember all the stuff because you know those shows are memorable. You remember oh those things. Um, our first social media video, uh, Shay LeBeau. I, I always pronounce his name wrong. Shay time. I pronounce his name wrong every time. He was our first social fodder, our first me- social media video. It's because his
0: name is spelled um, wrong.
2: <laughs> I know. I, you know. It's interesting. Like it, it's funny because I can never pronounce it. But just anyhow, our first social media picture was the White Sox and Blackhawks jerseys. I remember that.
1: That's unbelievable. No, I
2: vividly remember that show. Andy Mazur was our first guest, and <laughs> obviously, the Hawks won the Stanley Cup the next night. So those yeah. are the things I remember. You know, it's odd. I don't remember who the Cubs were playing, but I think they were home. And I think they might have been that might have actually been a night game night, but I'm trying to remember. For some reason I don't remember that.
1: It's amazing though, Larry, just to see how far <laughs> that we've come in in two years and just to be able to work with you and Josh has been unbelievable. But it doesn't even seem like two years. And I just think about some of The great times, you know, that time of starting the show off and the Blackhawks and that run and, you know, being the the our our Twitter feed being the 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 cup tracker and how many people started to follow and all the social media that we're doing to where we are now, because we were first told it was supposed to be only a half hour show. Now we're an hour show and. The work that Larry puts in behind the scenes, a lot of people don't see, but uh I
0: heard it's epic.
1: Yeah, he does he does a lot of great work and he won't take any credit for it, but uh we'll give it out there here on the podcast Absolutely. about how thankful we are for all that you do for sports fee, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. All right, listen, let's jump into it right now, man. We gotta jump into some Chicago sports and I know I know a lot of Cubs fans out there have been They've been worried, Larry. They've been worried. Up and down season, not figuring out what this team is all about and trying to figure out what they're all about. But last night, uh the Cubs, they did exactly what everybody was hoping to see them do, I think, every single game, which is that's not going to happen. But they exploded offensively last night. Uh 14 runs, Anthony Rizzo leading off and with that homer, kind of epic when you think about it. This team has been shuffling around that leadoff spot, Larry, and it's been, you know, here and there, Kyle Schwarber got a chance to be able to start out the year. Ian Hap's been there, Ben Zobris, they've moved people around. What do you see? Do you, after yesterday of seeing Anthony Rizzo with that homer, do you think they stay with that for a while or do you think it's going to be a revolving door?
2: I think it'll still be a revolving door for a little while. I mean, it was a wonderful thing by Rizzo to hit, not only a homer, but a pretty epic homer. I think you had told me it was about 450 yeah. when they measured it out. A pretty epic homer, and it is. It's amazing when you see 14 runs on the board. When you see a football score, you always get a little excited, especially for the Cubs, who in, you know, in their last four or five games had only have scored one run. But I don't think the Rizzo thing's going to stay. maybe they stay a couple days. You can't put him there. I mean, he's a guy who's you're a two, three, four hitter. You're you're, you're not going to do that. That's a nice little experiment, something nice to do maybe here and there. Maybe a streak buster if they want to do it. I don't know what the Cubs do as far as a permanent solution. Uh, I know Andy Mazur and I talked about it yesterday. That John Jay seems like the natural fit mm. coming into the season. I kind of thought he would be the guy. You kind of looked at him being a speedy guy to get things rolling. Uh, you know, maybe they try Schwarber again. But again, I don't know where Schwarber's going to be. You know, again, if you know people bring up again, it's his first season. You're still trying to figure out who Kyle Schwarber is because what you have really is two really impressive playoff runs. And then now you're really seeing him for the first time in the full season. So Schwarber is still figuring himself out, and I don't know if the leadoff position is for him. Maybe it will be, but I don't think it's for him. At the end of the day, you know, people talk about the Cubs acquiring pitching. Maybe they should try to go get a leadoff hitter. I don't know if that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. But right now, I think it's going to be a rotation, and I think it's just going to be until something sticks. But again, I come back to that John Jay. He seems like a guy that would be a natural fit for that. I think Zobrist is another guy. I, personally, if I, if I were going to pick personally, I'd go with Zobrist. I think that he's a consistent player, a consistent veteran, has a lot of experience. If I've got to pick a guy to lead off for the Cubs, in, in my mind, it's Ben Zobrist.
1: You know, Larry, I'm I'm with you. I think Ben makes the most sense, but he's just right now. It's not an everyday player, so it's kind of like you're you're throwing in. I, I just they have such a hard time with this roster, and I know these are Cubs problems where you have a, a lot of young talent, and it's been the issue for Joe Madden all season long this year of figuring out where to place guys because when you have a influx of talent, you got to be able to play guys. Do you think? that some of these players being young are kind of not getting the chance to really be able to find consistency with being moved around so much.
2: Yeah, and that's a problem. I think as much as it affects veteran players to have their 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 places jump in rotation, it especially affects younger players who are just getting used to seeing pitching, who are just getting used to getting their feel for their place in the lineup, seeing pitches, seeing environments. It's just totally different. The these guys are very young, and they just started really, 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 really fast. And, you know, you have guys who are still learning the major leagues. You come back to Schwarber again. You know, this is the most, I, you know, I have to do the official math. I think this is now the most that he's played straight in one season. I'm trying to remember the exact date he was brought up in 2015. These are guys still learning the major league system, still learning how to see major league pitches, and still learning in some ways how to go through a 162-game season he's got it's not old hat to these guys it's not like a Rizzo it's not like a Ben Zobris. they've been there before they haven't so you're gonna you know what we saw was the excitement that initial burst of excitement with these guys and they're going to go through slumps what you're looking at is is these last really year and a half dating back to the middle of 2015 really August of 2015 through the World Series last year was a dream time for the Cubs it was bound to come down a little bit. These things just happen, And what you're seeing right now is, is that taking place? So you're seeing surges like you had last night, a surge like you had on Sunday, and then you're coming back and getting, you know, basically four hit by Jacob deGrom. These are things that are going to happen. If, if anything, it's now a young team showing itself a little bit. So, you know, the, not this isn't a major surprise to me. The only thing that's a surprise to me is just the Cubs fans really freaking out about it. I did not think that the fan base would take that direction.
0: Larry, I I'm going to do something that I always tell Jarrett never ever to do. I'm going to ask you a couple questions at once. Well, first I'm going to make a sure. statement. I think the over, I think the the leadoff position is overrated. It happens once in a game. After that, there's no telling who's going to lead off. I like the idea of having Ben Zobris there if I were a Cub. Uh, in charge, I would put Brent there just because of the experience and him having done it. Now, is Madden tinkering too much with the young guys? You're just talking about how they have to learn. They have to learn on the job. They have to come up. Is Madden maybe tinkering too much? Is he possibly hindering their development?
2: Maybe in some ways. I, I think that Joe Madden brings a lot of unique things. The way he relates to players, the way that he's able to connect with them. These are unique things that he has that other guys are not going to be able to do. But one drawback that he does have is that he makes a lot of odd changes. You you saw that this year, especially during the regular season. And you saw it especially last year during the World Series. You know, the Game 5, Game 6, and Game 7, you know, if they lose those games, if they end up losing that World Series in 7, you never know what happens. I think it can affect somebody's confidence. I think if you think of any business, if you get moved around or shuffled around or put somewhere else, it's going to, it's going to affect your mind. And not only just rookies, I, I, I think it affects veterans too. I think that too much movement disturbs rhythm. And, and at least from what I've known from pro athletes is that there's a lot of rhythm. There's a lot of things that they go through, routines. And if you disturb that, it becomes an issue. I think that I, you know, Joe has a saying: "Don't be a you know what fan." At the same time, maybe he, you know, he should maybe just take a step back and think a little bit about it and let something mature. You know, we are an impatient society; we want it now. But every now and then, you've got to let something mature. Maybe take a lineup and let it play out for two, three, or four weeks. Now he did that with Shorebirds. just didn't work. But I, I do think that shuffling stuff around can cause some problems. But I don't know if it's necessarily contained to the young players. I think it can also be something that affects veterans
1: too. Yeah, I think so. It's tough because you have a bunch of these guys that are on this roster that are quote-unquote Joe Madden guys who can play all over the place. Ian Happ, I mean, yesterday started off at second, and he can play center field. Ben Zobers can play anywhere you need him to. Even their best player, you look at Chris Bryant, so unselfish, he can play wherever you need him to. I think that's just what the Cubs are dealing with right now. But they're also dealing with – starting pitching as well Larry and I think that's an issue as you start moving forward and going for another run for another championship but yesterday John Lester looked great in his outing against the Mets seven innings which we haven't seen a lot of Cubs pitchers starting pitchers go that long giving up only one run five hits one walk while striking out 10 Um, he's a guy that you don't. Have, I feel like long term, when you think about starting pitching, he's not the guy that I worry about. It's. I think it's everybody else.
2: Yeah, no. And Lester's going to be fine. And he's a pro. He's been there so many times, you know. And, and even some of the efforts. So really, if you look at his loss at Colorado the other night, it came down to one homer he allowed. You know, it came down to one bad pitch. So instead of having a pretty decent, I believe you know, six inning game with one run, you end up with four. I mean, you can say, okay, well, he allowed it but he really had one really bad pitch that really caused it. Lester's not really a worry. It's just going to be interesting to see, you know, how much was that finger really bothering Hendricks? Was that really a problem? Was that really causing him to have some consistency problems? Because, you know, not only was Hendricks allowing runs, but he was walking people, which he just didn't do last year. John Lackey, I I don't know. I I don't know what they're going to do with him. You know, you've got a guy here who's a veteran of many postseasons, and I've always said you, you can't ever underestimate that. But right now, I mean, he'll give you a good performance every now and then, but he was shelled pretty bad the other night. He's allowing a lot of homers. He's up to 19 now. I don't know what you're going to do with him. I don't know where, you know, I don't see them just casting him off. But I do think if you're the Cubs now, you know, you, you your fifth starter spot, you really haven't solved yet. You really haven't figured that out. You're kind of going with Eddie Butler. Probably Montgomery gets shuffled back in there. The Brett Anderson experiment obviously didn't work. So, there, you know, you're in a position with the Cubs, you might need to think about getting maybe even two pitchers. As far as Jake Arrieta, I, I, there's always a part of me that believes in the, the way he prepares and the skill set he has and that the memories of 15 and remembering what he can do, that he's always due for a run. I really felt last year in the playoffs he was due for a major run. I still get the feeling that Arrieta may do that, and I think he, he may understand what's coming. He's coming up to a free agent year. He's coming up to a year where he's going to be demanding a major contract. And right now he's doing it a year and a half removed from when he was the most dominant pitcher in baseball. So I really would not be shocked if we saw Jake Arrieta. You know, the Cubs have had every pitcher's had a run here in these last three years. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another strong Arrieta run, maybe starting in July and maybe going through. I I think the Cubs will make the postseason. I wouldn't be surprised to see that again because th- this is a big time for area. You know, Jake is either going to be one of those guys that people are going to refer to an incredible four-month period or they're going to look at him and they're going to look and say, OK, well, we're not quite sure what we're getting. And that's going to be a case in millions and millions of dollars. So it's a very critical time for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see a very strong run by Arietta in July, August, September, it wouldn't really surprise me at all.
0: It seems, you know, with the with the Major League draft happening right now, it seems like the Cubs are listening to you guys because eight of their first 11 picks uh, were pitchers. Um, so I think they realize that they need to now start drafting pitchers and start developing these guys in their system. The funny thing is, though, their eighth pick was the third baseman, Austin Filiere from MIT. I didn't know MIT had a baseball team. I didn't either. I no, no you know,
2: it's, it's interesting. You know, I, 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 I haven't had a chance to read a lot about them, but I heard about it. A lot of smaller schools will have will have baseball teams. It's like even when I covered like high school sports, a lot of smaller schools will have a baseball a baseball team and a basketball team because they're not terribly hard to field. And everybody has usually a baseball field. But it's interesting. I, I'm interested to kind of dive in to see, because you always get a couple of really unique stories for these prospects. But you're right about the pitching. I, I think that one thing that, you know, I, I have a question I present to other people. Who's a great starter in the Cubs system? Can you guys name one?
1: No. no, no. It's, it's not yeah, like the there White Sox. really isn't a guy.
2: You know Jimenez. You know Happ. There really isn't any no pitching pitches. prospects you know of there. So the Cubs needed pitching, just like opposite. The White Sox had all the pitching. And, and now they've hitting. gotten some hitting. They've gotten some guys that can hit the baseball because you know even Nick Settler said it. They were getting hard throwing arms, and they just did not have enough bats. Now you're seeing them being able to cultivate some bats. The Cubs are taking the opposite. They developed a lot of incredible bat guys. They developed the Bryants, the Schwarbers. They developed the Baez. Now, and well, Baez of course with the defense, and I, I shouldn't disclude that. But now you're seeing the Cubs really trying to find a way to build up their arms and, you know, they need it. They need to have one of those guys come out of their system. What good starter to come out of their system, come up. Cause really, you know, the last one I'm thinking about is really Kyle Hendricks, you know, and, and that's what I think they're trying to develop. And now that's what you're looking for. I think that Alex Lang could be a guy. You're talking about a guy who in college has a lot of big game experience. He'll pitch in the college world series. He's a strikeout guy. I think he's right up on the cusp of taking the program record for strikeouts, I look at him as maybe one of those guys little's a little bit of a variable because of the fact that you know he went to the state college of florida he is a big strikeout guy i think the ratio is 133 to 33 wow so yeah. he's a big strikeout guy you don't really know what he's going to do but again they're young but again i i really i look at lang and i think he could be something really really special i think this could be a guy that they're finally going to get a a really good starter into that system somebody that you can look up and say okay Maybe this is our fifth guy in 2019. And that's what the Cubs need. They just don't have anybody in the system. That's fine. You're trying to win a World Series. You're looking for the now. But it's cool to see them go after that and get some arms because it's needed. Well,
1: we're going to switch it over just a little bit, man, to – the football side as the bears are taking a mandatory mini camp at Hallis Hall this week before they go on a nice little vacation before training camp in Bourbon hey, I look forward to it. I like I, I can just smell it. I wake up in the morning now, you guys, and I can smell football.
0: You have to see the smile it, on Jared's it's, face it's, right now. It's like the,
1: the, <laughs> it, Larry, it's it's the grass like I walk outside and I can smell football and it's almost here. And I think this year is going to be unique for Bears fans because of the situation and where this organization is. But you look at Mike Glennon, and you also look at Mitch Trubisky and where they're going. You have a guy that has said he's going to be the now in 2017. But I think, Larry, probably you're like all the other Bears fans. Are you looking forward to seeing what the future holds for a guy like Mitch Trubisky?
2: Yes, but not till December. You know, if it goes perfectly. I want to see the Bears actually stick with it. I mean, they've made a commitment here for their future. They've, As I said, Ryan Pace, for better or worse, put all his cards on the table. He said, you know, he goes all in now. You, you start the stopwatch on him because now you've drafted your guy. You've drafted your quarterback. I want to see if the Bears stay patient with him because, in a perfect world, guys, he doesn't play this year. In a perfect world, if he's playing, I mean, well, if he's playing, if, in a perfect world, if he's playing, the Bears have somehow won the division and he's taken mop up time in the last two games. The odds of that happening are not great. You know, if you look at a perfect scenario, you know, he either doesn't play or maybe he starts the last game of the year. You know, that's what you're looking at. You're really looking to cultivate him as a quarterback to learn behind another guy. That's why you brought in Mark Sanchez. You brought in Mark Sanchez, a guy who couldn't beat out Trevor Simeon with the Broncos. But you bring him in because he's an experienced quarterback. He's been through a lot. He's made an AFC championship game, and he's run into his guy's backside, fumbled, and allowed a touchdown. Mark Sanchez has seen a lot. What you get out of him is the ability to handle pressure. He was in New York. You get the ability to figure out how to win and at the same time how to handle losing because Sanchez had that a lot over the past few years. But in a perfect world, Trubisky isn't – I mean, he's not playing. In a perfect world, he's not playing the last game. In the most perfect of perfect worlds, he's doing mop-up time when the Bears have already clinched a playoff spot again probably 10% chance of that happening but you know but at some point you're excited to see what Trubisky could do but I would be more excited every week that goes by that he's not he is on the sideline because that means that either a Glennon is working or b the bears are keeping to their word and trying to develop him and letting Glennon try to take the 2017 season and make it for himself
0: what if Trubisky is actually good. Why can't he be Carson Wentz? Why can't he be da- well? Dak Prescott's a bad example because he had the phenomenal line, but why can't he be Carson Wentz?
2: You know, I I think that there 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 are a few factors that that play into here. In, in number one, I think that there are a lot of people who think about that he just did start his final year at North Carolina, that there's some validity to that. He hasn't started a lot of games. He was beat out in 2015 to be the starter. There are things he doesn't know about. There is also the past. I mean, for for what it's worth, the past people think about. And when you think about rookie quarterbacks for the Bears, it it hasn't worked out. You, You think of Rex Grossman. You know, Grossman played toward the end of the 03 season, got hurt. 04, got hurt. 05, got hurt. 6 played for six to eight games and then, you know, became inconsistent. And unfortunately for the Bears, never really stopped. Why couldn't he be Carson once? We don't really know. He could be a guy who pops up and starts right away. We just don't know. But I don't know. You know, the first thing I look at is there's so many variables with the Bears <clears throat> receivers. There just isn't there just aren't guys that you wonder, hey, if, 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 if Trubisky is going to be a little off, are these receivers going to be able to carry him? Are they going to be able to pick him up? And there's a little bit of question there. You have guys like Cam Meredith who showed some skills. But again, you know, he had a play last year when a lot of guys were hurt. You don't know where you're going to get out of Victor Cruz. Kevin White is a complete mystery. And after that, you you just don't really know. So there is some thought. All right, well, what if Travisky could be good? He could be. But I think when looking at the history, looking at the roster and the way it's constructed, the patience isn't a bad thing for the Bears. There aren't a lot of expectations on them, and this team has been looking for a franchise quarterback for a very, very long time. Patience is a virtue for this particular position. When they drafted Carson Wentz, they looked at him as being a starter probably relatively quickly, and probably by the middle of that first year. The Rams probably saw, thought the same thing of Goff. And he didn't end up starting, but he didn't have as much going on. So I think that at the end of the day, there's just some skepticism, but you don't know if Trubisky could be there. But again, it seems like the situation would dictate that patience would be the way to go.
0: I, as I look at, at, at Trubisky's college stats and, North and, um, and Wentz's college stats, they're virtually identical. They are virtually mm-hmm. identical, and and whence actually started, I would assume started at least two years with Trubisky. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're virtually identical. So in that sense, I look at it. Why can't this gentleman be as good as that gentleman? I get what you're saying, and I too would like to see Trubisky wait a couple years. That being said, if he if he tears it up in, in in preseason, if he tears it up in this game, I don't see why not give him give him a shot. I, I still think you
2: you still have patience in the preseason. It depends on what he does it. If he tears it up in a third preseason game, he's facing a lot of starters. i do it. it, it well, I, I think the the one thing the preseason could be is if, if if Glennon is really struggling, we're talking we're talking Jonathan Quinn's struggle here. Right? We're talking, <laughs> for those who know, we're talking Jonathan Quinn's struggle. Where really he is ineffective and he has a good preseason, then at that point you're eight weeks in, then you give it some thought. But still, I even wonder at that point, if they're committed to it, you hand the ball to Sanchez and just let just right. let him try to do something? I mean, it's a thought. It, there's a lot of ways you could go here. I just have a, had a personal opinion of patience, and I think that with the team would do it. I, I have a personal opinion of patience with Trubisky so much that I think that if Glennon is on the Jonathan Quinn level that i think that they should start Matt Sanchez for a couple of weeks and then bring Trubisky in mm. but if that, i mean but if you if you're falling into that scenario then you're talking about a disastrous Bears season and i think you remember the 04 when you had Grossman Grossman gets hurt you bring in Jonathan Quinn a supposedly strong backup who was just completely ineffective and then you had Chad Hutchinson i don't know if you remember that name yep he came in for a while and, you know he could you know he He did what he could, but you know he wasn't there. He, you know, he just couldn't get much done. And I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember if that was a Craig Kinsley year, I think. But again, the Bears won. I think three straight games, but did so in spite of him. He was just kind of a game manager, and you know eventually that fell off too. I mean, this is what the season could develop into. You know, you could develop into that, and if it does, then I just don't see any point in wasting Trubisky, throwing him out to the wolves in a season that's lost. I agree. Where he kind of get. You're, that's where my thought process is. You look at this season with, a, with unproven quarterbacks, a quarterback who hasn't been effective for a while, this could spiral fast, and you just don't want to put Trubisky into that fire hole and you know let him lose that confidence so early.
0: Absolutely. Larry, um, every year I play in a, a trivia, a sports trivia contest in Oak Park um, at St. Giles. Mm-hmm. You must come with me next year. Can I can I lock you in on that? I mean, like, I'll pay for your entrance fee and everything. You absolutely have to come. I want to bring Jared because then I'll get the star factor. Like, I walk in with Jared Payton. I get the star factor right away.
1: Yeah, you're not getting any help with the trivia, though.
0: That's fine, but they'll all stare at you, and then people will give us answers. I need Larry. Like, I, do, last man. year it was there was five of us, and it was me and one guy, and we were the only ones that knew anything. So we would shut everyone out, and we'd just look at each other. I need a third. Like, I need you, Larry.
2: I'll take that up. I'll take your offer up.
1: Hey, man. Hey, Larry. Larry, what about you? Know we keep talking about offense, and I think there are a lot of questions on offense. But do you think that this Bears defense could be good, especially with that pass rush?
2: Well, it, it all depends on the health. I think I think Pernell McPhee is very good if he's healthy, but the health's a big question. For I get more and more excited about Leonard Floyd about what he can do. I, I think that he showed some surges last year. I know he had a couple of injuries, but boy, he at times he looked really good. I think I think Leonard Floyd. I think Leonard Floyd and Eddie Goldman, assuming that they can be healthy, I could see them being building blocks for this franchise for the future. I really, really do. These are two guys that I think have a tremendous amount of ability, have shown flashes, but have been held back by injury. You know, it's a a common NFL story. But for some reason, I look at those two guys and I think, man, these are are homegrown Bears guys that could be really, really, really good. The secondary is a mystery. I, I don't know what, you know, I think Cooper could be good. I don't know much what you'll get out of Prince, but that's an area. The secondary has been an area that's been, and it's been an issue because you just don't really, you look at it, you, you don't see anybody there that really jumps off the page, you know, and that's for me really where I'm looking at it. You know, h- how are the bears going to build up a secondary? You know, that was why I was really excited about getting Jamal Adams in the first round. Cause I really felt like the bears needed a, a signature guy in that secondary. Some guy, they could look at and, and really get excited about. I, and that's why I thought initially they'd go with Adams and was kind of surprised that they didn't. For me, it's a secondary look at. I really think the front seven, if, if health holds, I think it can be fine. I've been a fan of Jarrell Freeman since he was in Indianapolis. I think he's a great tackler. I think he adds uh, a bit of pressure element to his game. You know, if you, if you have a Shea McClellan, you bring in Jarrell Freeman. It's an upgrade not only in, your, in the tackling because he, he is a kind of a guy who can make a lot of tackles all around the line. He's also a guy that can bring some pressure. I, I like Freeman a lot. I, I, I am a huge fan of Floyd. McPhee is all depending on his health. If he's healthy, he's going to be very good. I, I, it's for me, it's that secondary. I, they're a mystery. I just don't know what they're going to be. You know, I they've been a mystery for a while now. I just don't know what they're going to be, and that's that's for me the key to the defense. If anything, I don't really worry much about the front seven. I think they'll be fine.
1: Man, Larry, listen. I love you, man. You are – you hear him he's like – He's a wealth of knowledge. I'm, are, tell, I'm you, not lying,
0: Larry. You're coming to St. Giles with me next
1: year. You, you are awesome, man. We Listen, we appreciate you for jumping on down the distance. And, listen, we, the door is always open. Anytime that you want to jump on, we'd love to have you again. All right?
2: I appreciate it. Anytime. Just give me a call.
1: All right. Larry Holly producer and Mr. Everything at WGNN CLTV for Sports Feed. Our show will definitely get him back on. Ernie, appreciate you as always, man. Give me some five fives because we're closer today. Ah, Ah, we love you. And for everybody listening out there, thank you for listening. Keep listening. Please share and please retweet. We love you guys. As always, we were here, but now we're gone. Peace. Peace.